Thank you, ladies. Y'all did phenomenal. Rosie did really good. We like starting them young around here. That's right. Amen, amen. Thank y'all. I love that song, I Stand Redeemed by the Blood of the Lamb. That's what we was preaching about this morning. Only, only through the blood of Jesus Christ are we able to even enter the portals of glory. Boy, everything that we enjoy in this life and everything we'll enjoy in that life is all because of the blood of the Lamb. Amen, amen. Good to be in the Lord's house this evening. Going to be in Psalm, Psalm 1, Psalm 1. Uh, so if you want to turn there, that's where we'll be getting uh, started. I love this psalm, uh, memorized this psalm as a child and uh, has been a part of my life, all my life, and love this psalm. Uh, but boy, I'll tell you what, it's a great place to return to uh, here this evening with the new year uh, in mind. I thought that this would be a very fitting uh, text. I shared a passage of scripture from this text with many of you uh, on New Year's Day, and I feel this is a very fitting text to consider how to have a blessed life, how to have a blessed life. Now, some couple things interesting about this psalm and some of what I'm going to share with you, uh, we don't know uh, for fact, but it's interesting. Uh, uh, the book of Psalms, uh, most folks divide the book of Psalms uh, into three separate books. Uh, so they, uh, they say that originally the Psalter would have consisted of three separate books, knowing that the book of Psalms was the hymn book uh, of the uh, uh, Old Testament saints, and this book was divided up into three separate books, and we have it, of course, now all in one. Uh, the first book, uh, I believe, is 40 or 42 Psalms in the first book, and all of them, except for two, have the heading that tells you who they who wrote it, why it was written, and these type of things. Uh, the first psalm uh, doesn't state an author or why it was written, neither does the second. And many people who have studied the psalms believe that originally the first psalm uh, wasn't necessarily a psalm as the rest of them are, as something that was to be sung, but instead it was an introduction to the book or it was a, a thing that was written to kind of set the tone for the rest of the book. Now whether or not that is the case, we do not know. There's no way of proving that. It's just an assumption that people have thought of. But whenever we look at the context of chapter number one, I see such a, a fitting application because once you grasp what is in the first psalm, boy, I'm telling you what, it makes everything else make so much more sense. And so this evening we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 considering some simple yet I believe powerful truths concerning how each of us can have a blessed life this year. Psalm 1 will read uh, starting in verse 1 down through verse number 6. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way 
of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for the the blessings that we experienced this morning, Lord, as we met together with you, as we worshiped you. Now, Lord, as we gather back together again this evening, Lord, I've enjoyed us singing your praises. I've enjoyed rejoicing in the redemption that is found in your blood. I've enjoyed, Father, being able to gather together with your people. And, Lord, as we open your word, now. And Lord, we look at these simple uh, yet powerful truths, Lord, concerning how each of us can have a blessed year this year. Father, I pray that you will bless your word. I pray you'll bless the message. I pray, dear Lord, that you will speak through me, your servant. I pray, dear Lord, that I'll be submitted to you. And Lord, I'll be yielded to you. And Lord, I'll say the things, uh, Lord, that you would have said. And Father, I will refrain from the things, uh, Lord, that are not needed or necessary. And Father, Lord, that I'll follow your leading. I pray, dear Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit, will take your word and minister to the hearts of the hearer. Father, I pray for those unable to be with us this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll touch their bodies. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that you'll work in their lives. Uh, and Father, that you'll be with them. Lord, those that may be watching online, Father, I pray, dear Lord, that you will take this message and use it for your glory and for your honor. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us. Bless now your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We look here into this uh, chapter, this psalm uh, uh, here found, the first psalm in the book of Psalms. Uh, and whenever we begin, we read first this phrase, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. I believe if we could take all of mankind and we were able to get honest answers from all of mankind, whether saved or lost, uh, from any uh, area, from any continent, from any background, if we were to get honest answers from all of mankind, we would find that the drive behind all of mankind is a search for a blessed life. It is a desire for enjoyment. It is a desire for peace. It is a desire for happiness. It is the the, uh, desire to be able to enjoy this life that they live. All of mankind, I believe, desires a blessed life. Now, they may not describe it as a blessed life, but all of mankind wants to get the most out of this life that we live. All of mankind desires that this life be the life that he had wished it would be. We look at the records and we find that there are many, many, many people every year who take their own life and many of those people who take their own life, many of them take their life because they're not enjoying the life that they're living. Now I know that there's all types of circumstances but many times at the root they're not enjoying the life that they live and and we can go and we can find many people uh, who are discontented, who are depressed, who are unsatisfied. And whenever we ask them what the problem is, life just isn't what they thought it would be. Life isn't giving them what they thought it would give them. All of mankind, I believe, the desire of all of mankind is a blessed life. Whenever we begin this psalm, we see that it begins with this word, these words, blessed 
is the man. Looking at that phrase, we understand that the psalmist is getting ready to uncover a recipe for how to have a blessed life. He is getting ready to reveal some things that will result in you and I being able to live a life on this earth that is blessed. And so we ask the question, how then do we find this blessedness? And I'm sure you've heard this passage preached on before. Many messages have been preached from this passage, but yet I believe the truths apply every time. How do we find this blessedness? The first thing that we see in order to find this blessedness is found in what we avoid. It is found in what we avoid. How do we have a blessed life? We have a blessed life by avoiding some things that will steal the joy from the hearts of men and women. We see there in verse number 1, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. We see the first, uh, the first part of this recipe for a successful blessed life is to avoid some aspects of the ungodly. I see three things here that we're going to point out to you this evening concerning what we need to avoid to have a blessed life. I see first of all that the blessed man avoids the counsel of the ungodly. The blessed man avoids the counsel of the ungodly. It says there he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, there's many examples that we encounter. I was speaking of it some this morning, uh, how that this world uh, in their agenda is tearing down the principles of the Word of God. Uh, there are many who try to tear down this book. They make statements such as the Bible is not relative today. Uh, they make statements such as uh, God is okay with your sin. Uh, he understands. They, they make statements such as we're all good people. Why would God put us into hell and on and on and on we go with the counsel of the ungodly. There is in fact a concerted effort by many today. It has existed since the Garden of Eden. The devil began in the Garden of Eden doing his best to tear down the Word of God and he has continued to try to tear down the Word of God from that time. And in our day, there is a concerted effort by those who do not believe the Word of God to tear down and destroy the Word of God. I have a couple of examples here with me uh, this evening that I want to share with you. These are two notes that were found in Gideon Bibles. I've got them blown up to where you can see them. Brother Randy found this one. Didn't you find this one, Brother Randy? Brother Randy and Brother Harry found this note. And uh, Brother Luke uh, shared this note with me. Both of these were placed in Gideon Bibles in motels. Uh, uh, this is a concerted work of Satan uh, to use those who follow him to destroy the Word of God. I want to read these to you. The first one here that Brother Randy and Brother Harry uh, shared with me, the note written in the front of the Gideon Bible is this. Beware the myths contained herein. You have heaven and hell within you. Choose good. Be kind. You are good without God. 
This is the note left in the front of a Gideon Bible telling people this book that you're about to read is full of myths. You don't need the Bible. This second one, I'm not going to read everything that is written here because some of it is of a degree that I don't want to read in mixed company. But I'll get read enough of it that you'll get the jest. This note was left in the Gideon Bible. It says, warning, this is a work of fiction. Do not take it literally. Content advisory. Contains verses descriptive or advocating suicide, murder, violence, use of drugs or alcohol, revenge, undermines authority figures, lawlessness, and human rights violations and atrocities. Exposure warning. Exposure to contents of this book for extended periods of time or during formative years in children may cause delusions, hallucinations, decreased cognitive and objective reasoning abilities, and in extreme cases cause pathological disorders, hatred, bigotry, violence, including but not limited to uh, murder and genocide. This book will endanger your mental health and life. And I left some of the harsher parts out for sake of the children in the audience. This is a concerted effort to destroy the Word of God. Now I'm sure that each of us in here would say, well, Pastor John, I, I would never fall for that. I would see that and I would, I would remove it. I'd get it out of there because I know that's untrue. But you know what? That same philosophy, that same philosophy is infiltrated throughout much, not all, not all, but throughout much of this world's entertainment. This philosophy is just sneaking in. It's sneaking in. It's being placed in front of us. And if we're not careful, over time, it is changing the way we think about the world around us because we're being influenced by the counsel of the ungodly. We see here that the man that is going to be blessed, first of all, needs to avoid some things, and the first thing he needs to avoid is the counsel of the ungodly. The second thing that we see that he needs to avoid is he needs to avoid keeping company with sinners. He needs to avoid keeping company with sinners. It says there that he walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. We see first he needs to avoid the counsel. Second, he needs to avoid keeping company. There's a common quote. There's a common quote that is being used today among Christians. Among Christians or those that profess to be Christians. And the quote has different variations, but it always goes along the line of something similar to this. Be more like Jesus. Hang out with sinners. You've seen these memes. You've seen these quotes. You've seen these things where people say this year, I'm going to be more like Jesus. I'm going to hang out with sinners. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, uh, hire uh, unruly people and on and on they go uh, the whole time totally misrepresenting and degrading who Jesus was. But this has become quite popular. Be like Jesus. 
hang out with sinners. Well, let me just clarify something here. We see in this passage of Scripture in Psalm 1 that if we're going to live a best blessed life, we avoid keeping company with sinners. So where are they coming up with this idea that Jesus hangs out with sinners? Well, we know that the Bible tells us many, many, many stories where Jesus did go to the home of a sinner or he did interact with a sinner. And so they're using that to say by default uh, they're saying that your sin is okay because Jesus hung out with sinners. Well, I just want to clarify a little bit about Jesus' interaction with sinners. I never find an instance where Jesus hung out with sinners, but I find many instances of Jesus sharing the gospel with sinners. Uh, I never find an instance of Jesus choosing to keep company with sinners uh, while allowing them uh, to comfortably continue in their sin. Uh, but I do find Jesus telling people how they can be delivered from sin, how they can be washed from their uncleanness, uh, how they can be delivered from the pain caused by their sin. He never encourages anyone to stay in their sin. Matter of fact, if you look through the Gospels, you will find that the message that Jesus told sinners over and over and over again after they had a meeting with him was go and sin no more. This is the words that he departed with. Jesus never encouraged sinful living. I've got several examples here. Jesus met Nicodemus at night and the takeaway from that encounter is the phrase, you must be born again. He went home with Zacchaeus, this tax collector, and the table conversation that day was centered on repentance and restoration. That's what took place while Jesus was in Zacchaeus' house. The crazed man in the cemetery, after he met with Jesus, he put his clothes on and went soul winning. He left the cemetery and he went to tell others about a man who could also deliver them from their sin. The woman at the well after talking with Jesus confessed her sin and invited everyone to come hear the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. The rich young ruler encountered Jesus and he left the meeting saddened because he was not willing to sell all that he had and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. We could go on with many, many, many more examples, but I believe the picture is clear. Jesus never hung out with sinners. Jesus interacted with sinners, yes, but he interacted for the purpose of sharing the gospel. If you are keeping company with sinners and they don't know that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not acting like Jesus. If you enjoy spending time with sinners and you enjoy sharing their sin with them, you're not acting like Jesus. But if you're going into the darkness and you're going into the pits and you're going into places of despair and you're spreading the good news of a gospel that can deliver, then you are acting like Jesus. We see here that if you're going to be blessed in this life, you've got to avoid the counsel of the ungodly. You've got to avoid keeping company with sinners. But then we see also that the blessed man avoids becoming comfortable with the scornful. 
We see here in verse number 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel ungodly, that's the counsel, nor standeth in the way of sinners, that's keeping company, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. I look at this sitting in the seat and I see this as getting comfortable. After service, many of us go to our homes and we'll find our favorite chair, favorite recliner, favorite spot on the couch and we'll, as Brother Terry the mechanic says, put a rear end in a recliner, prop our feet up on the table and we will get comfortable. We are settled. We have found a place where we are unbothered and can settle in. We see here that the man that's going to be blessed does not get comfortable in the company of scorners. Now what is a scorner? A scorner is someone who mocks or brings disdain on the cause of Christ, on the holiness of our God, on the power of the gospel. I want to say that we need to be careful whenever you sit in your seat at home how much scorning you're allowing into your home on your television and on your entertainment, the things that you take in and the things that you listen to. You're sitting in the seat of the scornful. If you want to have a blessed life, you're going to avoid the counsel of the ungodly. You're going to avoid the company of sinners. And you're going to avoid getting comfortable around those who tear down the word of God. Things that we must avoid. But as we continue through this passage, not only do we see that the blessed man has some things that he avoids, but we see that if you're going to be blessed, there's some things that he enjoys. So we see some things in verse number 2. We see what he enjoys. Verse number 2 says, But his delight, he avoids all that has to do with the ungodly. And where does he find his joy? Where does he find his happiness? What, what is it uh, that thrills his soul? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night that which brings him joy, that which satisfies, that which gives rest, that which reminds him of eternal bliss is found in the Word of God. You want to have a blessed life? Number one, separate yourself from the ungodly. And number two, indulge yourself in to the Word of God. I know that we've just started the new year and the new year is a great time for folks to try and restart. A lot of times we have good intentions and good intentions run, run away from us and, and we come to the end of the year and we realize that we wish we'd have done better and a lot of times at the beginning of the year we'll say, okay, this year I'm going to do better, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. And Many times we refer to them as resolutions, things that we're purposing that we're going to do. And I believe the new year is a great time to start these things. Let me challenge you. And I know that many people have probably have probably made this resolution that they're going to spend more time in God's Word this year. Let me challenge you. Daniel was taken out of his homeland. He was taken to a foreign land. He was put in the, in the, under the authority of a pagan dynasty. The Bible says that he purposed in his heart. Let me challenge you this evening. 
purpose in your heart that you're going to find a way to spend time with God. It's very easy. I've been guilty. I'm sure many of you have been guilty. It's very easy to say, I don't have the time to read God's Word. I challenge you, if that's your excuse, to keep a diary for a week of where you spend your time. And then before you tell the Lord that you don't have time to spend in His Word, check your diary and see where you are spending your time. You want to have a blessed life. It's found in the Word of God. You say, Pastor John, I just don't see how that can be. It's so hard to read the Bible. I sit down and I try to read the Bible and I fall asleep or, or I, just, I just get easily distracted and, and I just it's such a difficult thing. I don't know how you can find joy in it. It's such a laborious task to read the Bible. I don't get anything out of it. There was once a young preacher, went to an older preacher and asked how he could have a blessed life, how he could have more power in his messages. That's what the past, older pastor said. He said, get in the book, son. Get in the book. Read the book. Read it over and over. And he told the older pastor something that, I, as I have just said, is so laborious, it's so difficult. I have a hard time reading it. The older pastor reached in the, in the cabinet and he pulled out a strainer. And he said, go down to the creek and fill that strainer up with water and bring it back up here to me. Well, this thing won't hold water. Just go on. Just go on, son. Go fill that strainer up with water. He comes back after a little bit and he said, I've tried several times, this thing don't hold any water. He said, go back to the creek and fill that thing up with water. Trip after trip after trip and finally he's like, look, I don't get it. I came to you to ask advice about how to get closer to God and you got me running back and forth to the creek with a strainer trying to get water. What in the world are you trying to prove? He said, I want you to look at that strainer. He looked at it he said, you see how clean it is? He may not felt like going to the creek was doing anything for the strainer, but every time he dipped it in the water, it was washing it. Every time he dipped it in the water, it was cleansing it. Every time he dipped it in the water, it was making it better. And the preacher said, you may feel like you're not getting nothing out of the Word of God, but you take the time to sit down and read the Word of God and let the Word of God go through you. Let the Word of God work in you and you will find over time that God's Word is indeed making a difference in you. His Delight is in the law of the Lord. Sometimes whenever you, of course nowadays is different. I have a problem here and just want to run a bad rabbit trail about uh, parenting. So this is not a parenting session. Uh, back when I was a kid, you eat what was set before you and uttered no other word for conscience sake. You just, that's how it was. You either ate it or you starved. Most of the time we didn't have the option to starve. You ate it. That's just how it was. And so, but nowadays, I don't understand how it works nowadays. I'm not even getting into that because kids just seem to be able to do whatever they want. But anyhow, so some foods that you eat, some foods that you eat, kid will say to you, how do you eat that? That's nasty. That stuff tastes awful. How do you eat that? And you say, I've developed a taste for it. And it's delicious to me. I didn't like coffee as a, as a, young, as a young man, as a, as a teenager, I didn't like coffee. I didn't like the smell of coffee. I wanted nothing to do with coffee. I became a young adult, and I was uh, driving an hour and a half one way to work. Had to be at work by 6. I was leaving pretty early in the morning to get to work. And 
it was cold, and I'd get ready to leave for work. And Mom, she's a coffee drinker. She'd hand me a travel mug full of coffee. She'd say, here, take this with you. I'm like, Mom, I don't want coffee. I'm not interested in coffee. No, take it, take it with you. you. You might need it. Well, we had a long driveway, and I'd dump it out the window of my truck before I got to the end of the driveway because I didn't want the smell in my truck, you know. And every morning, she'd give me that coffee. She'd give me that coffee. Well, it started getting cold, and the cup was warm, you know. And, boy, you could, you could kind of let that, uh, that steam come up over your face, and that, that was warm, you know. After a few weeks, I sipped a little bit of it. I'm like, it's nasty, but, huh. Now I just, I mean, Melissa was so tickled with the gift she got me for Christmas because it was all different kinds of coffee and different ways to make coffee and all this stuff about coffee, and I was thrilled because of all the coffee. Oh, I love coffee. And Melissa says, I don't know how you drink that stuff. Well, I developed a taste for it. What's the point that I'm trying to make? You might say, Pastor John, I just, I just, you know, it's just laborious. Give it a chance. I promise you'll develop a taste for it and you will find joy in his word that you never thought possible. What does the blessed man do? He enjoys the law of the Lord. That which brings him joy, that which satisfies is the word of God. Bible says in Philippians 4 and verse number 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. I'm going to use Brother Danny for an example. I don't think you'll mind, brother, because I've heard you use this example in Sunday school. Brother Danny said in Sunday school, he said, some time back, he decided he was going to quit listening to the news. And so he quit listening to the news, and he said, you wouldn't believe how much happier I am now. You know what? What you put in dictates how you feel about life. And if your constant diet is all the junk of the world, you're going to find yourself depressed, discouraged, and defeated. But this book right here for the Christian is full of some pretty good promises. And if all your input is this positive input, you're going to find yourself with a much better outlook on life. So we see what the blessed man avoids. We see what he enjoys. And then thirdly this evening, we want to look at how he is blessed. What is the blessing that he receives if he avoids the ungodly and if he delights in the word of God, what is the blessing that he receives? In verse number 3, the Bible says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We see in this verse that the person who avoids the influence of the ungodly and delights himself in the things of God will be blessed in a number of ways. I'll point these out to you this evening. 
First of all, I see how he is blessed. First of all, he is blessed with strength. It says there, and he shall be like a tree. Boy, I'm telling you what, you see those trees that have grown and they're established and the winds blow and the storms come and the trees stand strong. If the man that stays away from the ungodly and delights himself in the things of God will be a man who is able to stand strong during trial. He'll be someone that is able to stand strong difficult circumstances. He is someone that will be able to stand strong during times of storm. He is blessed with strength like a tree. Not only that, we see that this man will also be blessed with sustenance. It says here that he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Not only will he have the strength of a tree, but he will be as a tree that is by the river. He will have sustenance. He will have food for his soul. Make a confession. Melissa and I had planned to go to the revival meeting Friday evening. We had talked about it. We had planned on it. And I got home Friday and I said to her, I said, do you really want to go to this revival? I said, I don't know. It's going to be late. Time we get back. It's all the way on the other side of Waynesboro. It'll be late when we get home. I don't, I don't know if I want to go or not. She said, well, it's up to you. Nice spiritual help here. <laughs> She said, well, it's up to you, whatever you want. I said, I'll think about it. And I went to do something outside. I come back in. I said, we're going to the revival. We went to the revival. And man, I'm telling you what, I left that place charged up. She said to me on the way home, she said, I bet you're glad you decided to go to the revival, aren't you? You know what, has there ever been a time when you, you sat down to do your devotions and the devil was on your back? Oh, you don't have time to read the Bible today. You don't have time to do your devotion today. But you went ahead and pressed through. And then after you pressed through, you're like, my goodness, that was good. My goodness, the Lord spoke to me this morning. What a blessing I found in his word. What is the blessing that you'll receive when you avoid the ungodly and do you delight yourself in this word? Sustenance like the rivers of water, constant feeding and nurturing your soul. We see also not only will he be blessed with strength and blessed with sustenance, but we see that he'll be blessed with success. He'll be blessed with success. Now remember, whenever the Bible speaks of the success of the believer, he is not necessarily talking about material success. And sometimes people get confused and they're looking for material success when he's talking about spiritual success. And because as, we, as we've looked at quite a bit here lately, we are spiritual beings. Spiritual success is much more valuable than any type of material success. We see here though that he will be blessed with success. It says he shall be like a tree. There's the strength planted by the rivers of water. There's the sustenance. And now here's the success that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. We see that this is a man who will be blessed with success in the fruit. What is the fruit that we're talking about here? I believe there's two applications that can be made. The Bible tells us of the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, temperance, meekness. Against such there is no law. I believe he who spends his time in the Word of God and separates himself from the ungodliness of this world will be someone who finds out that he is able to exhibit and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit in his life. 
But I believe there's another fruit and that is a man who is spending time in the Word of God, who is separating himself from the things of the world, will find that he is much more successful in telling others about the good news of the gospel and seeing souls come to Christ for salvation. He bringeth forth his fruit in his season. We see he's blessed with strength, he's blessed with sustenance, he's blessed with success, but then we see that he's blessed with stamina. He's blessed with stamina. The ability to go the distance. I've told you that I used to like to run uh, for competition there in the ACE Student Convention, but I always liked running the short races. 200-meter dash was actually my strong point. I loved the 200-meter dash. I was taller, way taller than everybody I was competing against. They said I looked like a windmill going down the track, but I could rake in them medals. Boy, I could do 200 meters now. That was my strong point. Did a couple 400-meter dashes, and then one time I got talked into doing a mile. Wow, why would you want to do that? The problem was I approached the mile run in the same way that I approached the 200-meter dash. And a few hundred meters in, I realized that I didn't have the stamina. Now, I did make it across the finish line, and I think we did, uh, me and my team, I think we did take third place. But I was whooped. I'll never do that again, I said. Uh-uh, that's crazy. I'm going back to doing 200 meters. You see, I didn't have strength for the long haul. Didn't have strength to run the long haul. I see here that the man who puts his, who delights in the things of God, who separates himself from the world will have stamina. You say, how do you see that? It says, his leaf also shall not wither. Come the storm, come the trouble, come the trial, come the cold, come the heat. His leaf doesn't wither. He's never is weak. He's never suffering. He's always finding stamina through the word of God. And then I see, lastly, it says there, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I see here that this man, not only does he have strength like a tree, sustenance, as the rivers of water, success in bringing forth fruit, stamina in his leaf not withering, I see that this man has security. You see, investing in eternity is always prosperous. Now there's a lot of investments that we can make. Some are good, some are bad. Some pay off, some belly up. But inter- eternal investments always are prosperous. And the man that separates himself from the world and delights in the things of God will be a man who is eternally secure. The Bible says, Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. We see here that this man, his eternity is secure. Investing in eternity is always prosperous. The psalmist then closes this passage with an exposition on the plight of the ungodly. Up to this point, uh, through verse number 3, he's been talking about the godly, the blessed man that seeks God, but then he adds the next three verses in which he gives us the contrast of those who do not separate themselves from the ungodly. They do not separate themselves from the things of the world. They do not delight in the things of God and he shows us their plight. We see here verse 4, 5, and 6. He says, the ungodly are not so. This is not the 
This is not what they can expect. But instead they are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. You know, you've probably heard explain what the chaff is. When you thresh the wheat, you throw the wheat into the air and the, the good wheat falls and the chaff blows away in the wind. And he says the ungodly are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Very quickly, three things, three things that I see here about the plight of the ungodly. First of all, I see in verse number four that they have no stability. They have no stability. They're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And boy, I'm telling you, if you look at the ungodly, if you look at those that are without Christ, and you look at their lives, you will see that they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. No stability in their life. Second of all, I see in verse number 5 that they have no standing. They have no stability here on this earth. They have no standing in eternity. In verse number 5 it says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. This morning we looked at the thought of but now. This evening Kel and Kaylee sang about being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb because of Christ. I am able to stand in the congregation of the righteous. I stand redeemed because of the blood of the Lamb. I didn't pick their song tonight, but it sure goes with the message, don't it? I am able to stand before the Almighty because of what Christ has done for me. But the ungodly are not so. They will not stand in the congregation of the righteous. We see that the ungodly have no stability, they have no standing. And in verse number 6, we see that they are destined for sorrow. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. David said in another psalm, he said, Surely God is good to Israel, and to such as are clean heart. But as for me, my steps were... my. My feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. David said, I almost stumbled and fell when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He goes and he describes, I believe it's Psalm 72, he describes the wicked and their life and all. And then he says, until I came into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. You know what? There's a lot of people who get looking at the wicked and they get caught up thinking that they have a better life and it'll cause you to almost slip until you come into the house of God and you listen to the word of God and you find out that the ungodly have no stability, they have no standing before God and they are destined for sorrow. The way of the ungodly shall perish. This evening, the psalm, psalmist tells us a recipe for how to be blessed. And I believe it's something that each of us desire is a blessed life. But so often it's easy to drift away from the simple guidelines of separate yourself from the wicked Delight yourself in the Lord and let Him be the strength of your life. It really is 
a simple recipe. Blessed is the man. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Lord, I know it's a simple message. Lord, I know it's a passage that we've probably heard before. But Father, I pray that you'll take these simple truths. And Lord, as we go through this year, uh, Lord, we won't complicate what it takes to enjoy life. But Father, we will simply follow your instructions. We'll separate ourselves from ungodliness and we will delight ourselves in you. Thank you for your blessings. Be with us we go throughout this week. Be with each person. I pray you bless each and every one of them. Help us, Lord, to be a light for the gospel. Help us, Lord, to find opportunity to tell someone about the hope of eternity. Thank you for your goodness. Be with those, I pray, that's unable to be here, those that are homesick. I know many, uh, Lord, are uh, under fighting different flus and viruses. Father, I pray that you'll touch their bodies and be with them. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us now throughout this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.